when it comes to her parenting August, like it's, it just kind of like increases that or, or it's like a whole nother little like chamber, like grew in my heart. Kind of like when you have a kid, you feel like your heart can't get any bigger before. And then it does. And then watching someone else care for and love your kid is like such a big deal. And so, so something that like you never understood would be so impactful. Welcome to Love in the Time of COVID-19, a podcast exploring relationships during a global pandemic. I'm Lindsay, and last week, we jumped in by exploring my own relationship with my partner, Matt, who is a really good sport. Thanks again, Matt. This week, we virtually traveled to the suburbs of Portland to explore a different story. We'll talk with Stephanie and Sarah, two women navigating homeschooling, music making, working from home, and co-parenting. When I was reaching out to people for interviews, Sarah and Stephanie were high on my list of people I wanted to talk to. Recently, I've been thinking of time spent with them, back when I still lived in Portland. I have a lot of great memories of our time as housemates, but the ones that have been coming to mind most recently are from the various snowstorms that we experienced together. For those of you who have never rode out a snowstorm in Portland, they typically go something like this. It snows a few inches, your work gets canceled, and the city shuts down. People avoid driving if they can, and mostly don't leave their neighborhoods. As someone who spent most of my life in mountain climates, I've always found this pretty funny, but it was also magical. One of these times that I've been feeling particularly nostalgic for is the memory of eating a massive amount of charcuterie snacks, drinking aviations mixed by Stephanie, and wandering down to the Willamette River to watch the snow fall over the dark water. It was carefree and cozy, and it felt like a break from reality. Essentially, we were practicing shelter-at-home protocols before it was a known term, which, I might add, is a very Portland hipster thing to say. Time with them during these moments made me feel confident that despite the hurdles of shelter in place, a quarantine at their house was probably a pretty good time. Hey guys, how's it going? Good, how are you? I'm good. Happy pandemic. <laughs> I was thinking maybe we could start with you just telling me a little bit about what things are like where you are. Yeah, uh, my name's Stephanie. Uh, I'm 36 and I, we live in Portland, Oregon. Born and raised here. Right now we are on a stay-at-home order. Everyone is asked to stay at home for 
and only leave for important groceries and medical treatments. I feel we're doing okay. At least our newspapers keep saying we're doing okay, but you know, all over social media and stuff, you can see people still going out and stuff like that. So it's really hard to say. We're currently hunkering down for the most part, just going out for groceries. Yeah. Yeah. Trying to do like every couple of weeks we go out for groceries. I don't think that I have technically really left the house for almost three weeks, (laughs) like unless you consider like going on walks around the neighborhood and stuff. But um, I haven't really been in contact with anybody for quite a while uh, face to face. Oh, this is Sarah, by the way. (laughs) So yeah, uh, yeah, it's just, I think that half the city is doing a really good job of kind of staying inside. And then, you know, you have the other half that might not be. I've heard that Portland, the actual like Portland proper area is not being super cautious um, or as cautious as like outlying areas are. So that's kind of concerning. But yeah, I, all of the schools have been closed until the end of the school year now. So um, that's a kind of a new development that happened yesterday. So that's kind of interesting. And as parents, it's a little uh, daunting. So yeah, that's like the biggest new development in our lives. Okay. Well, that's different even than the last time I talked to you guys. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The school year. Okay. Um, so to get started, would you mind just telling us a little bit about your own love story? Sure. Uh, so we have been in a romantic relationship for a bit over five years, but we've actually known each other since high school. So that's almost 20 years now. That's over half our lives. That's pretty crazy. Um, (laughs) We went back and forth between like hanging out quite a bit. Um, You know, we ran in different friend circles sometimes during high school and then half after high school, we lived in different cities. And so it, it wasn't really until probably like 22 or 23 that we kind of came back together. Um, You know, I came home from college and came back to Portland and Sarah was in a band and she was, you know, looking for support. So I feel like she was asking a lot of friends to come to her shows and things like that. So we started doing that and then just hanging out after shows and then just realized we were really good friends. And at the time I was just getting together with my boyfriend who I ended up being with for seven years and Sarah was just getting together with her future ex-husband. That's an odd way to say that. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And so we, we just kind of all started to hang out together. We ended up living down the street from each other. You know, the guys, the fellows, they ended up being close and having similar interests. And then what happened, at least on my side, was my relationship started to end and then ended. And then not long after that, Sarah's is, was starting to go the same route and we just kind of started hanging out even more just kind of to help support each other during the changes you know helping people move out of their houses being with someone for those you know for most of your 20s it's a formative time so it's kind of like forgetting how to do everything how to find an apartment with suitable people I don't know if I actually told you this before ever or even last time that I almost I didn't know what I was doing looking for an apartment and I like looked at a place and the woman that w- was renting out a room was over 50 and it, she, living with her 18-year-old daughter. And I was like, do I take it? 
And my friend was like, no, don't take that. Why find somewhere else? And luckily I did uh, a much better place. That would have been different, I think, than our situation (laughs) together. Very, very different. So then Sarah and I just started hanging out more and then just new feelings emerged. So that's kind of where that went for me. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like Stephanie and I, like we hung out in high school. Like I met her when I was 15. So it was a pretty long time ago. And, you know, looking at 15 year olds now, I feel like we were just like such kids. And yeah, we hung out on and off throughout high school. You know, we were never like super close. And then after high school kind of drifted apart. And when we started hanging out again, it was actually because like a mutual friend of ours, that was the reason that we first met kind of like got us back together into a friend group. We're no longer friends with that person. I'm really glad that that actually happened because Stephanie and I just get along so well. And then, yeah, I ended up being in a band with my now ex-husband and uh, we all really liked hanging out together. And uh, Stephanie was like my bridesmaid. That's (laughs) kind of a, a weird, funny twist you know, as uh, me and my husband or ex-husband, kind of our relationship came to an end because I realized that I was gay. And maybe that's why my relationship with dudes hadn't always, you know, worked out in the best way. (laughs) And that was a pretty hard time for me. And Stephanie was just there like as my best friend, you know, to talk to a lot. And that was really helpful just really comforting. And, you know, as we spent more and more time together, we definitely started, I feel like, to see similarities in each other that we, you know, kind of clung to. And yeah, then just, I think our feelings developed more and more. To be honest, I I think that I had a crush on her, like from pretty much the moment I met her, but I didn't really know how to process it when we were like 15. And so it just came in form of like, I just want to be just like her. She's so cool. And then as we grew up and as I kind of figured out what was going on with me, I was like, oh no, I think I had a crush on Stephanie this whole time. So I don't know. It's kind of a weird way for it to work out now. So yeah. horrible. I I like that. Not, maybe it was not, I want to be her. It was, oh, I want to be with her. Yeah. Yeah. That was definitely a realization. (laughs) Um, how has the current pandemic impacted your relationship or your relationships? Not maybe not even just with each other. I think that it has definitely made me or reconfirmed the fact that like, I, I really want to be with Stephanie. Like she really is my best friend. Cause I kind of can't imagine being cooped up like this with anybody else. Um, you know, 24 hours a day, um, it's, it's really interesting. You know, I work from home all the time, so I'm really used to being alone. Um, and now that she's working from home all of the time, like you don't get an alone moment. We're both really lucky to still be working and to be able to work from home, but sharing a 10 by 10 office space can sometimes be a little hard when we're both trying to have meetings or just listen to music and the other person's like talking. And then all of a sudden they're like, Hey, I've been talking to you for three minutes and you're like, I'm sorry. (laughs) Like, so yeah, so that's been interesting. And then I also think that for me, it's kind of helped me understand how um, Steph deals with emotions because I'm a pretty like emotional person. I cry at everything. Like I cry when I'm happy. I cry in the card aisle at the store. I cry at like cheesy commercials and I cry when I'm mad. 
and Stephanie isn't really emotional or like dramatic emotional like I feel like I am and so it's been interesting learning that when she gets upset or gets emotionally kind of worn down she just takes naps like her whole body is just like no I'm shutting down it's over I need to like recoup and so yeah like there was a night when I think she was having kind of a hard day and I was like okay well I'm just gonna cook some dinner and I like walked out five minutes later into the living room and she was just like sleeping on the couch like full on deep into sleep and I'm like it's been five minutes like how did you fall asleep so fast but but yeah I think that's helped me inform me too about like if we argue and she's just kind of like I need time I need space now I realize that like she really does I like to talk things out and and she likes to kind of have time to process yeah that's that's definitely always been a a thing but I feel this has helped Sarah recognize it a little bit more you know in the past when we've gotten in little fights here and there, I would always, you know, ask, like, I need more time. Can we pick this up later? Sometimes we would, sometimes we wouldn't. But (laughs) but now I think uh, it's a a little bit easier to, I think she's seen the actual physical side effects. So, (laughs) so it's a little bit more recognizable. And having more patience, we're we're definitely recognizing that something that may have set us off in the past or, or just when we might have a little bit shorter of a fuse, we just, we both recognize that in ourselves. I I see it in Sarah and I see it in myself that we're just kind of slowing down, remembering to take a moment and that it's a frustrating time and everyone needs a little bit more leeway. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. That's, that's what I'm seeing too. Like with both with between us and then also between us and August, who is our kid, um, who's seven and having to like homeschool him is really, really hard and frustrating when we're both working eight to nine hour days and then also having to do that. And yeah, kids are frustrating. And so um, (laughs) I think that it's been a really good patience builder for everybody. So yeah. Yeah. Can you tell us just a little bit more about how that shift has gone, including the Foggy as far as the whole family? Because your relationship, yes, is one part definitely like the couple's relationship, but then there's the family unit as a whole too. I think what we're kind of trying to do is instill some structure with August, just because otherwise he wanders around the house saying, I'm bored. Um, and we, we just know he, he thrives on structure. So we, we, d- we currently don't have provided support from the school in terms of like scheduling and classes and work. We are that's about to change, but we are currently doing that on our own. We're making up our own lesson plans and we're filling his day ourselves. So we have pretty much every hour set up and that seems like it might be kind of crazy, but it's been really helpful for us because we're working where every hour we just switch activities for August. And it's been really helpful for August because then he has something to look forward to. It's not just nothing between breakfast and lunch. He doesn't know what's happening. Another thing that we decided to change. We, we do share August with his dad. So we have him three or four nights a week. It changes. And a really big thing that we decided was right near the beginning, you know, or previous to, previous to the self-quarantining, we, you know, treat our time with August as a real situation where we could play, but we'd also have to do chores. And they could be chores that he could do with us, like yard work or go to the grocery store, things like that. 
you know, really include them in real world activities. But now that August cannot play with anyone else, we quickly, very quickly realized we needed to be his playmates when we were not working. For the most part, whenever August is with us, unless we're working, that time is dedicated to playing with him in some way or, or spending time with him reading, watching a movie, playing a board game, going on bike rides. And previously, like he'd be able to go play with his neighborhood friends or just play by himself whenever we were doing a chore he didn't want to do. But he really needs playmates. And so we, we really had to give that to him. I mean, he also, he has built in chore time during the day. He got out and like helped us dig out two garden beds that we're making and dusted the whole upstairs the other day. So like he has chores that he has to do, but outside of that, it's definitely just kind of trying to Ironically, like I'm always like, I'm your mom, I'm not your friend. Like I'm here to like take care of you and keep you safe, but I don't it's not just always Augie time. And right now I feel like a lot of it is about Augie because it I feel like for little kids it's a really confusing time and a really sad <laughs> time. Um and like I'm sure that it feels disorienting for him and it's definitely not how I would have wanted to spend my second or my first grade, you know, year um, going into, you know, in my summer going into second grade, since we don't really know when this is going to end. Like, I don't know what his summer is going to look like either. So yeah, so that's been interesting. We, we get alone time with each other after he goes to bed, but I am an early bird and Stephanie is a night owl. I get up pretty early and have a little bit of time to myself and then everybody else gets up and then at night, I'm pretty beat because I've gotten up a bit earlier than her and she has energy at night. So we usually hang out for an hour, hour and a half. And then I'm like, okay, I got to go to sleep. Um, <laughs> it's been interesting trying to enjoy each other's company in the snippets that we get. We definitely recognize that we get the days where Augie isn't here. But a lot of that time is spent doing chores that we don't do when he's here anyway. So that's also just like, you know, you get done with work and then you work some more and then you have a little bit of time after that. So it's, you know, I was talking to Steph uh, today and I was like, hey, like if we don't, you know, do a hangout with our friends tomorrow, like a virtual hangout, um, like, is it cool if I, you know, work on my music for like two hours and just trying to like carve out some time? And it's interesting because we're here together all of the time, but I'm also like, but I miss you because technically like we're, we're, you know, we're here together physically, but a lot of the time we're, we're mentally apart doing work or other tasks that, you know, that don't revolve around our relationship. So that's kind of been interesting. Yeah. I think that's definitely a good point that even though you're together, you can still kind of miss that person because you're, it's not like you're together doing all the things together. <laughs> yeah. We're like, it's not like we're on vacation. Like we're still, we're just functioning like we normally would. We just have to be physically four feet from each other most of the time. <laughs> so yeah. You know, you've mentioned that there are days that Augie is not with you. How has it been just transitioning for him, transitioning between the two households during a time of pretty intense change? I think he, he's been moving back and forth between our house and his dad and stepmom's house for a long time, like 
four years or something, um, five years. I don't know. I can't, we're really bad at time. So he's pretty, he's pretty used to it. And we give big chunks of time at both houses, like three to four days at each house. So he has time to settle and he has an older sister over at his dad's house. So I feel like he really likes going over there because he sees his older sister and he has a playmate. And then I'm sure that by the time he comes over here, he's like, I am so excited to not fight with my sister because I'm. if I could have gotten a break from my sister a couple of days a week when I was younger, I would have taken it. But he's handling it well. The three moms are all working from home right now. So his dad is the one who like goes out. He has a, He's considered an essential worker, so he has to continue going out. So it's been an interesting transition because they're technically the other part of our circle because August goes back and forth. So if they have something, we're going to get it. If we have something, they're going to get it. And so it's kind of been nice because when they drop him off or we pick him up or we, you know, we drop him off or they pick him up, like we've, you know, had other adults to talk to. We've spent a couple of dinners together and we've watched movies together, um, which we didn't really do before this. That's something that I'd like to foster a little bit in the future. But yeah, I, I think he's been doing pretty good. I think he definitely misses people outside of the circle that he doesn't get to see as often. We've been doing like lots of hangouts with my with my family and with his, you know, grandparents and stuff. So I think that that's the harder part for him is not seeing people that he sees on a regular basis. Yeah, I've thought about that, you know, especially in a neighborhood like you guys live in, how hard that must be when you're seven to look around and be like, hey, it's my friend Macy or whoever, but I can't go say hi to her. And that's never been the case in my life before. That has to be so odd for a kid. It's heartbreaking to watch. August plays in the front yard, basketball or soccer. And we literally have neighbors. She's a year younger, but they, you know, ride the bus together and they're really cute. They play together. And they're just talking to each other from the lawn, from their own front yards. And it's, it's adorable, but it's so sad. We could always tell when we would, you know, call him inside because we do have the structure <laughs> and time to come inside and do some more reading or something. And he's just very sad. He's more sad when they're out there than if he was just out there playing by himself. Yeah, he definitely like values the time, even if literally like he's sitting there watching them play or the other day I just looked out and they were both just sitting in the front yard watching a neighbor up the street work on their truck and they were just talking to each other about them working on the truck. Even if they're not doing anything, I think for him, as with I think all of us, just having someone who's your own age there is really important for him. So I, I do, his best friend lives six, six houses from us, but they live around a corner so he can't really see him. So I kind of think having a friend next door has helped him a little bit because they can go in the front yard and talk to each other. But I'm, I'm sure that he would like to be out there 10 hours a day and just, I don't know what they would talk about, but just being with someone else who's, you know, his age. So that's really, it's definitely hard. I'm, I'm very excited for this to be over and for him to be able to have friends again who aren't 35. <laughs> age-appropriate friends. Yeah, yes. So out of this time, have there been any new like routines or rituals that's developed in your home that have been really enjoyable? Uh, a really fun one 
is that, you know, we're mentioning, you know, bringing up August and trying to make things as, as special and, and fun and, and lighthearted as possible around the house. You know, he can hear us talking sometimes. So like he knows things are hard, but we, we decided that every day he gets a little treat. So his very first day of quarantine, we made cookies and we rolled them all up and froze them. So it's been really fun to just kind of take one out of the freezer and he gets a fresh baked cookie every day with lunch. And it's just a little thing for him to look forward to. We're recognizing like how to take care of each other a little bit differently. Um, You know, working from home previously, I would do that occasionally just to, you know, save on gas and just stay home. And on those days I would do it, I would be awful at taking care of myself. I wouldn't drink water. I'd forget to eat. I wouldn't take breaks and just work nine hours. And then the time flew away. So we're building our own structure uh, with each other and like these rituals of when someone gets more water or a snack, they bring back something for the other adult human that forgets these things. So it's just really trying to care for each other and make sure that during this time that we're not just letting things go by the wayside. Something else that I've definitely noticed, we were doing this before, but I feel like it's amped up really recognizing and and calling out our thank yous and our appreciations. So I think it was something I saw on a TV show or something, or maybe someone talking about going to therapy and saying phrases like, I appreciate you, or I appreciate what you did, or thank you for doing that just over and over again. We were already doing that to a small extent, but I feel we are doing that for each other way more. We just turn around and, you know, say like, no one's even doing anything nice for anyone in particular. We just look at each other and like, I appreciate you. Today's maybe going to be a hard day. Thank you. I love you. I think we're vocalizing those emotions or those, those feelings a little bit more. Yeah. I feel like that too. I feel like we're really trying to make an effort to just verbalize things that maybe we took for granted earlier and, you know, before in our relationship. I feel like that's really nice. And I think it makes it easier when things get a little tense to be like, okay, but I have to remember, like, I really appreciate this person. I appreciate their presence. I appreciate the things they do for me. I appreciate the things that I want to do for them. Um, so yeah, so I think that that's, that's really nice. I think that our little rituals of having time to ourselves is actually something that is really positive that has come out of this because I think it used to be a little bit, for me, I think especially, um, it used to be a little bit of a rub because I would get up early, feel like I had my time and like, I'm like, I get ready for the day. I'm like prepped for my day and you should get up with me and this is how everyone should function. Like, and I think now I'm just realizing like we're on different internal clocks and we just work differently. And if Stephanie was like, get out of bed every day at, you know, nine o'clock, and then, you know, go to bed with me at this time, I'd be like, I, I like physically can't do that. Like I wake up between like six and seven very naturally, which is super frustrating on days where I just want to sleep in. It has really helped me understand that like our time alone is also really valuable. And, you know, if I'm up an hour and a half before she is and I get my alone time, then like she should obviously have like an hour and a half where she can just like be alone and do what she wants to do and have that space. And that like counts for, I feel like even 
now, like outside of when we're in quarantine. Like I'm it's not on gonna... the record, guys. She said it. <laughs> I'm allowed to stay up till one a.m. now. Not one a.m. That's crazy. <laughs> but yeah, like yeah, I'm a very A type person, and I like schedules, and I like when I set up a thing, I want it to go a certain way. And I think that this has helped me understand that, like, yes, schedules are good, but it's never gonna work hundred percent and it's okay. And so I feel like my ritual of getting up early and her ritual of staying up late has helped us and kept us sane. So yeah. And probably will continue to after quarantine. So yeah. Has there been anything during this time that's been, I don't know, particularly challenging or hard? I am heavily an introvert. And so sharing my space now with two other people all of the time has maybe been a little bit difficult. And Stephanie is an extrovert. And I think that being home with 1.5 people all the time is pretty hard. If August is staying up till nine o'clock and Sarah's going to bed at 9.01, (laughs) the days that we don't have August, we don't actually get like alone time together. And like Sarah said earlier, on the days that we don't have August, it's filled with those chores that we were avoiding to spend time with Augie. Finding that alone time together where we're not exhausted either physically or mentally, you know, we're doing a lot of yard work right now, so we are, we are tired. Um, But also the, the mental part, you know, we get, we get pretty drained way easier. So Sometimes our our alone time together is not as frequent, even though we're here together all the time. Like last night, we like sat and had like a what we call a picnic dinner, where it's just basically we take a bunch of stuff out of the cabinets and eat a bunch of like appetizery things, and we played a board game, which was really nice. But it definitely was like one round of the board game, and then like my brain is too tired. It's time to just like chill and watch Grace and Frankie and go to bed. I think another aspect about this that's hard is not necessarily about our relationship, but the other relationships we have to manage and, and navigate. And, and that that's with Augie's other family. Um, So, you know, sharing with his dad half the time and, you know, we don't have a lot of say about what goes on in the other household. You know, we we have our own concerns about what Augie's school will be like because we know they're a lot more lax than we are. And, you know, we just we don't want them to be just watching movies all the time when we know that's what they do a lot when they're over there. And so we just we have concerns about that and and with August's dad being an essential worker, what that means at some point if he gets sick, what does that mean? Do we have to say Augie has to stay with us if we're not satisfied with what they're doing for school for him over there? Does that mean we say Augie needs to stay with us? You know, it's been really hard to navigate these feelings because they pop up. And Sarah and I usually discuss them extensively and we talk each other down. Uh, One person gets held up than the other and vice versa, depending on the scenario. And we, we don't want to, you know, we have a, a really good relationship, co-parenting relationship with them, and we don't want to burn those bridges because, you know, we're going to get through this at some point, and we want to 
be able to continue having these these good relationships you know not just for Augie's sake you know you always hear stories of divorced parents who are warring with each other and we don't want that ever but we also want Augie's best interests to come first and it's a little more difficult on that side they've they've got a different situation they've got another kid and another kid on the way and things are just different over there we have different parenting styles and so it's been a little bit more at least for me stressed just trying to figure out that dynamic and how to stay civil and also keep Augie's best interests in mind yeah yeah I think that that's a difficult thing I'm sure that they think that we are overly rigid or like overly structured and so it's it's hard I, quite frankly like Steph and I have disagreements about certain aspects of how to parent Augie you you know you always have disagreements but when you have add a whole nother couple to the group who have their own lives and their own ideals and you know their own ways of parenting like it's it's stressful already um and we've always worked really hard to be good co-parents um I, all four of us i feel like but just having this entire mess to deal with too is uh, it's just a hard it's a hard point to deal with yeah i mean it seems like you guys have worked so hard to have a really pretty awesome co-parent relationship now's really the test i guess is like here's COVID-19. We'll just put that on top of something that for a lot of people, maybe not you guys, is already a pretty tense relationship. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um, we have, you know, we have some friends that are also co-parents and I know that a lot of them have been like, this is not, this is not easy. This is, <laughs> you know, I, I know that parents who have kids there all the time, it's not easy, but at least then there's just two of you who are making the decisions instead of four people because as the group grows, it obviously gets harder to make everyone happy and make everyone feel like they have a voice. And it's, yeah, it's, it's just been, uh, it's been, it's been hard, but you know, I think it's also been good. I think our co-parenting relationship might come out of this stronger and, you know, we might do more things together than we did before. So Fingers crossed it's it's a positive uh, impact versus just all stress and strain. Yeah, I'm going to hope for that for you guys. And it seems like it is plausible. I don't know too many ex-couples who are having movie nights together. So <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's very true. Yeah. Overall, what have you learned about love at this time? Oh, <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> you start. I'll start. Okay. I think that I've learned and I kind of learn it more every day. And I, I think, uh, I think that really letting the person you love be who they are. And if, you know, the, like I said, the whole like differing schedules thing, but also just differing ideas about how to go through each day and how to kind of manage the stress of each day. When I get stressed out, I like to do things. I like to be in motion. I like to probably distract myself and just clean the kitchen, clean. I like to clean um, a lot. And I think Stephanie likes to be alone and be still. And so I am a very 
movement-based person and she is a very still person and I'm just learning that it's okay for both of us to be that way and that we don't need to make the other person be a certain way. I think that that has been sort of sort of good because it's made me be kind of less high strung and I think it's also afforded me a little bit of grace to give to myself when I don't feel like I need, you know, my brain is like move, do things, get out there, like make things right. And now I think that I've kind of taken on a little bit of Stephanie's philosophy of like, it's okay to just be still and do nothing. And that's really helped. I also think that I've gotten to see Stephanie more as, you know, kind of in a mom role for August. Like she has just been so patient and so giving and understanding with him. And I just feel like that that has really, really made me understand that like, you know, I, I love her as a romantic partner and that like is such a deep love. But like when it comes to her parenting August, like it's, it just kind of like increases that or, or it's like a whole nother little like chamber, like grew in my heart. Kind of like when you have a kid, you feel like your heart can't get any bigger before and then it does. And then watching someone else care for and love your kid is like such a big deal. And so, so something that like you never understood would be so impactful to you and it increases my love for her and it makes me feel like we're partners in all aspects of the world we're partners together we're partners for august yeah it's just really touching and i just i feel like i see it more now because we're all around all of the time and it's really helpful and really heartwarming and yeah i love you <laughs> oh thanks uh I think I think one thing that I I've I've learned or or just improved upon regarding love is is patience love is patience really coming back to that understanding that not everyone is the same we feel differently we think differently and we really need to you know have patience and understanding regarding those differences you know, every, every couple gets in fights. It's, it's ridiculous if you don't, but the, those fights are little or inconsequential and, and, and they just don't happen for any reason. And I'm, I'm finding during this time where we're around each other 24 hours a day, you'd think that we'd have more of those inconsequential little fights and, and rows and just, it's, it's not happening. And I think what, we are both doing is we are really practicing more patience and letting things roll off a little bit more than we probably used to. I don't see how we could go back to regress to getting into squabbles about things that are, that mean nothing when, you know, you, you go through something like this and you didn't during that time, you know, I, I, I just don't see that it, it would go back. And so it, it's really helped me. I think both of us grow in that aspect. And I think that that's nice. Yeah, I think that's nice too. And I think you answered my last like love question, which was about what you wanted to carry forward into the future. Um, 
aside from patients, you know, improved, hopefully, relationships with the co-parents? Is there anything else? Uh, fresh baked cookies, anything else that you really want to carry on into the future? And just what are your hopes for the future overall? You know, I, I think I would like to see August be able to use this patience and understanding. He's been going through so much and been a trooper. And I think this will obviously have a lasting impact on him as well. And I hope it, it's awful, but hopefully, you know, there's some positive in it for him. And I, I hope that that positive is the example we're providing, you know, for him that patience, that less, less nitpickiness and, and just trying to be there for each other and, and, and with each other when we can, you know, so these are odd times. I think that we will also cherish our, our interactions with other people a lot more going forward. Um, uh, I've been fortunate enough to, you know, live in the same state and city as my family my whole life. We've never really lived apart more than, you know, 15, 20 miles. And that's not changing for me, but that's changing for Sarah. And so I think it's it's extra, you know, like we need to remember this time, you know, let's cherish what time we can have together, you know, as fleeting as her parents moving to Mexico was going to be uh, in terms of like these, these last few weeks were going to be our final times to spend with her family to, until they moved. And it was taken away from us in the blink of an eye, it felt like. So it's, it's just something that it's like cherish that time when, when you can. Yeah. Yeah. No, they they were supposed to leave on May 9th, but I don't, I don't think that that's going to happen right now. Yeah, it's it's been kind of strange not being able to be with them in the final weeks that we thought that we were all going to have together as a family in in one city without having to like you know fly. fly for eight hours. So I think that that that's something that will change. I also think that doing things like um, you know Zoom meetings or hangouts or just FaceTiming with friends like I never used to do that. Uh, we, I was like strictly text, you know, I definitely was like the old millennial who was like, I don't want to talk on the phone. Thank you. Just text me and I'll get back to you. Like, I'm going to send you to voicemail if you call. And now like, I, I would watch Broad City and they'd just be like, ta like talking, like FaceTiming, to FaceTiming each other all of the time. And I'd be like, you guys are crazy, you young people. And now I'm like, oh, I'm going to FaceTime with my friends a lot. Like, it has been so fun and pretty natural. And I feel like it actually is an improvement on talking on the phone because it's easier to like see the other person's reaction. It feels like you're more in the same space with them. So that's definitely something I want to carry forward is like actually interacting with people more, even if it's just virtually, since I'm more introverted and I don't like to go out as much, just cooking dinner with my family, like when they're cooking in their house and I'm cooking in my house or, you know, having like virtual cocktails with friends who live 40 minutes away that we don't like get to see all of the time. Like that feels really natural now. And I, I feel like that's a positive to come out of this. So often I feel like technology is talked about like it's the problem. And 
I feel like in this time, it really has sort of come out as like the unlikely hero because we can actually see each other and talk to each other versus in the past, if there would have been a pandemic when all there were were switchboard operators, like, and, you know, or even before telephones, like you would have just been stuck by yourself. And now we have like this whole network that we can talk to friends or family or strangers, and you can continue to feel connected to the outside world, even if you are just like me, not leaving your house for three weeks plus at a time. Um, <laughs> and it's been really helpful and, and eye-opening to me as someone who really kind of cherishes being alone a lot of the time. So yeah. Yeah. I also, I want to remember like we had fun. This wasn't, you know, it's a pretty terrible time. I cry a lot at the news. I feel pretty hopeless about a lot of things, about the virus, about the way that the government is handling it. And it's it's not easy. But at the same time, I do want to remember like, yeah, we we do have like cocktail hangouts with our friends. Augie is playing bingo with his friends over, you know, <laughs> like over uh, Google Hangouts. And it's just been- it cooking contest on this weekend oh yeah we're like gonna do like a virtual cooking contest and that's like so fun and so I don't want to just remember this as like a really dark time but kind of as a time of I think like personal growth and maybe hopefully societal growth in yeah yeah. (laughs) in like learning that like things were pretty broken and you know they broke more but maybe we can rebuild them in a way that like it can be better. We can build it a little bit stronger than it was before. So, yeah. I like all that for the future. And, you know, even, I think that's a great idea about even when parents do make their move, even if it's not in May, it is inevitable that maybe that's, this is just another good tool, you know, throw your phone on a stand as you're cooking dinner and parallel cook with your mom. Like that sounds awesome. And maybe, yeah, have thought to do before I think that's great yeah I think that it's I think it's actually opened up a lot of tools for us and realizations that like yeah you might be moving to another country but that that doesn't mean that we can't stay as connected as we were I'm god I think I'm talking to my family more than I ever have (laughs) like we're like calling each other every couple of days at least so yeah it's kind of really cemented in our relationships yeah I think that's a lot of people, you know, I feel like there's a lot of stories of people reaching out to someone they haven't talked to for a really long time or, you know, calling their parents in maybe the way their parents would have liked them to have been calling them all along. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) So I think that all makes sense. So just a couple more questions, not necessarily related to love. First one being, Sarah, where can we find your music? So uh, you can find... Um, one of my songs, um, which is kind of like a rough demo, uh, at violetviolet.com, like the flower. Uh, and then pretty soon I'm actually going to be putting out a little like four to seven song EP. I don't know. The songs just kind of like keep coming. But yeah, so I'll be, I'll be eventually releasing more music there. And then also like, I think on Bandcamp, you can download the, one of my songs uh, for free, and it's just wearevioletviolet.bandcamp.com. Awesome. Thanks for spending 
a decent chunk of the evening with me, guys. <laughs> you. Yeah. Well, thank you for having us. Yeah. Again, I can't wait to see the giant Instagram worthy zucchinis that that garden <laughs> produce. And I might have to add a fresh cookie into my daily routine too. Yeah. It's a good routine. Yeah. I, you know, we're going to, we just ran out of our last one, so we're going to make more now. So Very yeah. Nice. Sounds pretty good. Okay. Well, I love you guys. And I do love you. You not <laughs> keep in touch and keep checking in. Sounds good. I really enjoyed my time talking with Sarah and Stephanie, and it was really nice to see their faces and hear that they're doing well. As I anticipated, their quarantine sounded pretty darn good, and I know I will be borrowing a few of their ideas. Hello, daily fresh baked cookies. Can't pass that up. One takeaway that I found to be especially important was the idea of still taking time to ourselves, even while being self-quarantined with others. During this time, it may take some creativity to navigate when we can take this time to ourselves, especially if there's a child in the home. I found Sarah and Stephanie's staggering of private time to be a really good solution to this. With Sarah being an early riser and Stephanie being a night owl, it just seemed like it was pretty seamless. And they were both able to accept the differences with each other's personalities, which can really be a struggle in a relationship. Navigating setting up private time in a shared household will require clear communication and also actively and intentionally scheduling this time into your day. It's important to remember that all of us, regardless of levels of sociability, need time to ourselves to engage in pleasurable activities, process our emotions, or engage in basic daily tasks. Really, it's pretty important to have this time. I know I'm going to be more mindful to incorporate this into my week going forward, and I hope that you do too. Okay, well, I think that's about it. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you next week. Bye. It's more serious things.